Again, I think I forgot to turn this on there. Okay, we're continuing here on Lama Betamad Aleph, about uh, ten lines from the bottom. Okay, so we have a mission that says that you cannot be pochet the nair, which Rashi, which Tosu says means you cannot remove the stuffing after the first firing of this uh, lamp. It hasn't finished hardening because that would be like making it a vessel. And we want to say, who is the Tana that says that removing something before it sort of finished being uh, hardened um, is still considered a vessel? So first we compared it to a general statement about pottery vessels, which uh, Tosus understood again, we're talking exactly about this, that they, the, w- once the stuffing is removed before the second firing, and now we are talking about these, um, uh, these uh, frying pans, where, um, where uh, the Tanakama says that even while they have the cover on, they're still a vessel, so they're a vessel at an earlier stage, even with the cover on, and we'll see why, how can you use a frying pan when it still has the cover, is sealed on and not removed, but Rebbe Leezer Rebbe says, no, he says, their work isn't done which again is understood to mean the top hasn't been removed but once the top is removed presumably again even if you have not yet finished hardening it and firing it it would be a vessel so for the removing of this obstruction makes it a vessel even after even before presumably the firing and the hardening process has completed okay so now the Gemara says same question so I said back maybe not true Dilma Adkan lo kamer Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi Tzadok Hasa maybe Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi Tzadok only said it there Ella Dechazi Lutubulebe Midi because once you've removed the cover of a of a frying pan even if it hasn't finished hardening you can still use it for storing things and for putting things in it Avulhacha here this tiny little lamp um, which is uh, which is not finished and hardened Lumai Chazi you can't put oil in it what good is it going to do it has no purpose it says yes Lutubulebe Pshiti you can put little objects into it and therefore you can use it. So the Gemara again is saying that our Mishnah is says you cannot remove the stuffing or this obstruction that's part of the process of making a vessel and the act of removing it even before it's hardened is like making it into a vessel and the Gemara compares it to two different Tanayim in different debates by, uh, by uh, Tumantara by when is a vessel susceptible to is this a vessel at the stage when this is removed before it has finished being hardened. Okay, let's, one minute, let's just finish up this issue about these uh, village frying pans. So the Gemara says, um, So here, interestingly, we have a Braitha that combines um, this, you know, th- this second discussion of Tumatara in our Yantiv discussion. So the same way you cannot remove the uh, filling from the uh, lamp before it's finished har- even before it's finished hardening, you cannot also make these uh, frying pans, these village frying pans, which again, presumably would mean um, that you can't, uh, you know, like remove the cover the way Tosus is understanding it. Okay, so the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, Matyabiyofincharaniyot, and Rabbi Shimon Gamliel allows it. So again, maybe exactly this same type of a question of it, whether they are considered, at what stage are they considered to be finished or a vessel or not. So the Gemara says, my Haraniyot, and what does what what does this mean? We've been talking about these Haraniyot vessels. What does that mean? So the Gemara says, Amar Rav Yehuda Iraniyot, village village frying pans. My Iraniyot. What does that mean? So Amar Bayi Tsai Chaklaisa. Okay, that means basically plates that are used, uh, you know, out in the uh, field. Because basically, what do you do with a frying pan that still has the cover on it? 
Well, what you do with a frying pan that still has the cover on it is that you could still use it as a platter until you've got the cover removed. So therefore, that's why these are called these village frying pans. It's true, they still have the cover sealed on and it hasn't been removed, but they might want, but you know, out in the villages where they're not so fancy, they might be prepared to use them at that stage. They could use them as a type of a platter. Yes, so you had a question. Would you say, is it accurate, in your opinion, to say that the machloket here is whether the definition is functional or formalistic? Right? Um, so you can either receive things or not. It's useful or not. So right. It's about whether the I don't care whether it's useful or not. It's not done. The cover is still on. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, in some ways, there's two different modes of thought going on behind the right. The intertwine. You mean one is just saying right? Even though it has a function, it is in an objective sense. It has not really finished it's being correct. processed. It's right. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yes. Okay. okay yeah. Um, okay, one minute. Fine. Um, so now let's go on. So the Gemara says like this. Um, okay, I'm a, we'll just do that. Okay, so we're now done with the issue about making a vessel. So again, uh, you know, obviously you can't, like Tosa says to Tarasi, nobody would think you could start molding clay. But the question is, at a certain middle stage and removing something, and how much have you really made it a vessel? How much have you finished it? How much was it not a vessel beforehand? That's sort of what's being debated here. And again, the interesting point is that Rabbi Yehuda is part of this discussion in the Mishnah, even though he says you could do Machshir Yochanefesh, which is again a, a demonstration that Reb Yehuda could agree that if it's an issue of actually making a vessel, that makes it in a different category. Okay, now the Gemara says like this. The Enos in Chumim, you cannot make charcoal. Pita, obvious. Lemai Chazi, what are you going to use it for? Now, that's a funny question. What do you mean, Lemai Chazi? Who cares what you're going to use it for? You can't make it because, you know, what is not being able to be used for something make it obvious why you can't do it? So it's going to seem from the Gemara's answer that the point is like this. Look, you can make a fire on Yantiv. So, again, not a new fire. So maybe if you were using this charcoal for cooking, maybe you would be able to. Maybe you could. What would be so bad? Right? It's like making a fire. But the Gemara said, yeah, but you don't use charcoal for cooking, so you don't use charcoal for cooking. What do you use it for? So, I mean, I guess they didn't have, like, we have, like, these grills where the whole point is to keep it at a charcoal level and so on. So, basically, you would use it primarily for, Rashi says, for, like, smelting, um, um, you know, metals um, and in metal work. So, if that's true, the Gemara says, so, of course, you can't make it. There's no Ochel Nefesh value here. What would be the Havamina? So, let's see what the Gemara's answer is. So the Gemara says, Tani Rebichia lo nitzucha el mosan uyarin No, maybe you wanted to use it for something you thought was a legitimate use. You were going to give it over to the um, to the bathhouse workers and the people that heat up the water in the bathhouse. Okay, and therefore you might think, okay, well, you're allowed to have hot water, you're allowed to heat up water for bathing on Yantiv, right? So that is ochel nefesh. So that should be allowed. So, yeah, but besides simcha, you're not allowed stam simcha yantiv. It has to be in the ochel nefesh category. Okay, so you're allowed to heat up water for bathing. That's considered something on the body, and it's a circle and koguf, etc. So therefore, maybe you know you should also be able to make the charcoal that's used in these bathhouses. So the Gemara says, one minute says the Gemara, since when can you take, use, you know, go into heat, a heated uh, water bathhouse, uh, even on Yantiv? Because Why not? Because there actually is a halacha, and this is, uh, you know, important even nowadays, which is that Chazal did not let people uh, go into a bathhouse on Shabbos, even if the water was heated before Shabbos. Why not? Because once you start letting people use the bathhouses with preheated water, they're going to come to use the bathhouses with water that's heated on Shabbos. Fine. That makes sense on Shabbos. But how about Yavis? 
on Yantiv, if you would heat the water on Yantiv, it wouldn't be a big deal. Now, maybe it would. We've discussed before that maybe, at least in the time of the Gemara, that heating water for your face and legs or whatever, that would be a normal type of a use, but water for your whole body maybe wouldn't be considered as universal use. But anyway, however you understand it, you know, the, uh, you know, the Gemara makes it clear that this Zerat Merchatzaot applied not only on Shabbos, but even on Yantiv, even though on Yantiv, it might, as it might even be permissible to heat the water under some circumstances, but nevertheless, the bathhouses were totally off limits, even on Yantem. So if that's true, now, that's, I'll tell you why that's relevant in a minute, but if that's true, says the Gemara, what do you mean? Well, I could have heated the charcoal for bathhouses. Bathhouses are off limits on Yantem, right? Even if the heating water is Tzorachologuf, the bathhouse use is off limits. So how, so what, what would you have used it for? So the Gemara says, no, Amarava Lehazia, to Shvit. Which is, even when they forbade initially the bathhouses, they did not b- b- forbid initially the sauna part of the bathhouses. So, to use steam, again, it's funny, because you would think, if anything, you're more likely to do a malacha on the day itself, it would be the creating of the steam, not the heating of and the retaining of the water. But they also had ways to keep the steam, like, in a room below and plugged up, and then you would release it. Anyway, we'll see about that more later. But basically, initially, the point was, was that they did not forbid you to use a a prumi that was not heated heated in violation. They did not forbid you to use the steam house. So here at that stage when the steam was not yet forbidden you want to heat up charcoal and use it too for your sauna on Yantav it's a tzorach kol and it's not forbidden rabbinically and that's what you want to do and the Mishnah says even if that's a legitimate use you cannot go be making charcoal on Yantav so the Gemara says the Kodim Gzeira before they forbade the steam before the Gzeira about, the, about using the sauna so Hachanami so he says that in a different context so here also Lahaziyah Vakodim Gzeira where we'd be talking about that context that you wanted to use it for a sauna before the Gzeira so it was a legitimate use and nevertheless you can't do it now again this is important because this re-underscores un, un, re I don't know word underscores again the point of the, that that even if it's Sarach Kol HaGuf even if it's a type of an ochal nefesh, which like hot water and so on for the body is generally concerned, considered, um, you cannot make a vessel for that purpose. And even Rebbe Yehuda, who allows machshire ochal nefesh, because Rebbe Yehuda is in the Mishnah, seems to not debate this point, that he will not let you make charcoal, even if it is for the purpose of something that is a tzorech, you know, that is a, that is a tzorech um, um, ochal nefesh. So again, for us, I think it's a little funny to think of charcoal as a kli. But you know, why not? It's like something, you took a piece of wood, you, 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 you fashioned it in a certain way, you used fire to fashion it in a certain way, and now it's usable to do something so with. So, well, right, we don't always use the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the, the, the tumantara criteria. So you can make a fire, but if you're actually making the cleave for the fire, right? Like according to the would he let me dig out a fireplace? You know, would he let me like make a grill on Yuntiv? So, so this is the issue. So here too, you can't make the charcoal, okay? And therefore, that is considered even if making it something that's like a kli and has this greater sense of long term and permanence and so on, that is going to be a problem even according to Yehuda. And that's the problem here. Even if you found a legitimate use, like to use it for steam or to use it on your grill. Now, the other thing I want to say, and again, we'll see this when we also get to the Xeris Merkatzos. Actually, we might have done that already in Shabbos. We might not. 
be seeing it in Yantam. Anyway, but this is very relevant to the issue of taking a hot shower in Yantam. Because according to the Gemara, Beitil Beitshama, you might remember that Beitil lets you heat up hot water for using for Panaviyata Viraglov, but not for Kol Gufo. Right? Now, why not? So Tosa says, well, you know, hot water for your whole body, that's not a universal need. Face and hands and arms, yes, but, you know, not everybody really needs it. So Mifunak fancy that they need to bathe their whole hot water and hot body in hot water. <laughs> so according to that, many, you know, post can say that nowadays, where obviously it is a very universal need and on a, you know, for many people on a daily basis, I think sometimes there's differences in certain, like, countries, whether, you know, how much they see ba- daily bathing, but nevertheless, you know, that it would totally be a Tzorah and that you could uh, take a hot uh, shower on Yontif. And there's no problem, even if normally, you know, whatever, assuming you norm- you know, assuming we won't get into that whole discussion about if you live in an apartment building and can you use the hot water, whatever. Assuming we generally assume you can't use the hot water, whether for whatever the reason is, you know, and let's say it's a case of a house. So the use of the hot water will almost will always lead to other water being... Okay, I'm, I'm going on a digression. Anyway, assuming that you're not generally using hot water on Shabbos, on Shabbos you can take a hot water, you can take a shower on Yantiv because that's a Tzorach Kol Aguf. Um, now, not everybody agrees, but many, many poskim um, do say that. Um, however, even though you can take a hot shower on Yantiv because it's, again, you know, you, cooking or fire-related, but it's all about, about something that's a universal bodily need, so it's like Ochel Nefesh, you can't take a hot bath. So the hot bath remains in the Gzeret So that remains rabbinically forbidden based on this whole issue of the bathhouses, even if you're still allowed to take a, a hot shower. Yes, Charlie. But people are immersing mitzvah, even on Shabbat. Yes, there okay. Is. So there's a lot of postcodes that try to figure out why, and uh, mm-hmm. but we'll bracket that for that. This is the same okay. issue as in the main Madlikim with the making of the Petilok, whether it turns into a clear. Yeah, that's related. Right there, it's more about this, more about Havara, about Kiboy being a being like a, a constructive type of an act, the Malachas Shetri but it's related. The idea, certainly, that charcoal or whatever is considered to be something that's being made. Okay, so now that, yes? Uh, yes, so that's a good question, and I think even beyond that, it's like, as I said, although not necessarily, you see a lot of people that go and they just want to sit in the sun and they're not interested in that, but I think the bigger question is, like, isn't steam even a bigger concern that you'll come to violate Shabbos or Yantav in the making of the steam? Um, but, so now we're just going to bracket that. It's a good question, yeah. Clee, it is. But that's what I'm saying. So wh- how do you define what a vessel is? Meaning, why isn't something that's used in, that I, you know, why is charcoal not a vessel? I think the only reason we think that it's not a vessel is because we think of a vessel as something that's having, that, 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 that endures. No, not that holds. No. I think we think, of, I think the reason, if I ask me, is charcoal a vessel? It's not that vessel. You use it up, oh. right? But, you know, so it gets destroyed in the process. But, like, what I consider to be, um, um, I don't know, a wrapping paper, like, or, or some type of, like, you know, disposable uh, um, uh, thing, a vessel. But I think I would say yes, but yeah. it looks like it's reused. But let's say it's something that's completely one-time disposable it's use. Okay. You know, right, you know, do I consider it a vessel? I don't know, I think I do. And I think I do somehow more than I do a charcoal. Maybe because charcoal, the way you use it is by destroying it. So there's, but you know, it's an interesting question. You're right. That some intuitive sense, we don't, I don't think we think of charcoal as a vessel and the Gemara, and the Gemara is. Um, I actually have heard an interesting thing the other day, which is about how do we think about categories, you know, 
um, this goes back to the whole idea of like this platonic idea that like they've done studies and if we like, you ask people like is this thing a fruit most people won't think like of abstract criteria of what makes a fruit they'll think about their paradigm fruit for most people it's an apple and they'll ask themselves is this like an apple enough or not you know, so that's how like we sort of think about does it fit into a category? We think about the thing for us that represents the category. Say, oh, is this close enough to that? So anyway, all right. Some reason for us charcoal doesn't fit into the clean category. I agree with you. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Um, so you cannot cut a, a wick into two. That's also like making it a vessel. Um, by the way, that's interesting also because, you know, you could say, well, I didn't add functionality, right? Before it was usable, now it's usable. It's just now it's uh, the, a better size to use and it's not as wasteful or whatever. You know, and I don't know, again, maybe you do add functionality. Maybe if you have too long of a wick in a lamp, maybe the oil is drawn at a different rate or something. But, you know, this gets to the question of like cutting toilet paper and cutting, um, you know, cutting uh, paper towels and cutting tin foil, you know, well, what do you mean I made it a vessel? I could have used it before. I'm just cutting it to size. So besides that, there could also be an issue of machatech, which is cutting something to size, but that might mean a precise size. Here you do see that like, when you cut it and you create it and it's more functional use, it's more appropriate size use that there is that concern. Again, it's biblical, it's rabbinic, but certainly there's that concern. There's that issue. So you cannot cut the wick into two. So, but Rabbi Yehuda says you can use the fire to cut it into two. So the Gemara says, my Talking below, why can you not use a mice to come and talk in mana? Because you're fixing a vessel. Now, there is a debate in Rishonim when the Gemara uses the phrase metakin mana, doesn't mean it's a biblical violation of makitapatish, of making a vessel, or is it a rabbinic violation because it's close to the idea of making a vessel. But either way, it's forbidden. So the Gemara says, so that's true, but Urinami kamataki in mana. So according to that, why does that be who to let you use the fire? You're also making it a vessel. Who cares whether you use a scissors or a knife or a fire? So tiny Rebbe Chia, so Rebbe Chia on the bright side, which will help explain Rebbe Huda's position. What you can do is it can incidentally make it a vessel. What you do is you take these two types of, um, you know, you've got your two lamps here. Yeah, either a, what do you call it, either a marker or better manipulable. Anyway, you've got your two lamps, and you've got your, now I need a string, you've got your wick that goes between the two yeah. lamps like yeah. this. So where are you going to light the lamps? Is it going to be the wick that's coming out here, or you're going to light it in the middle, and the, then, the, then you're going to have the two lamps pointing like this. So what you do is, if by lighting it here in the middle, you're not actually, you're basically lighting the lamp. You're not doing an act of creating two wicks. It happens to be that that's conveniently making it into the nest. Now that works better, if that works better if the whole problem is rabbinic. And if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Rashi says, No saint shnevoshev betoch, and we're just two, three lines down, third line in Rashi, It doesn't make it obvious that you're trying to make it a vessel. Oh, look, look, Obama, it looks like you're just lighting the lamp. So it's all very nice what it looks like. But if, in, if you really are trying to make two wicks, who cares? Who are you fooling? God? Yeah. But again, if the problem is if the problem is rabbinic, that it's similar to making a vessel, and in this case, it, experientially, it's not that, that that's the focus, the sort of immediate experiences lighting of the wicks, therefore that makes it, reframes it and makes it permissible. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. 
Um, you can needle, like the word machat, the wick on yontef. My mochtin, what does it mean you can needle? We actually have that as a verb in English too, to needle somebody. So, but this more literally means using a needle. To remove the blackness, which means you take like a sharp object and you like scrape it against the edge of the wick. It's a pre-used wick. Right, so you want to get off some of the charcoal or whatever and maybe straighten out the uh, threads that you can do. That's interesting, right? Why don't you say that's also like making a vessel? It's somewhat analogous to sharpening knives, mm-hmm. right? You cannot go ahead and make a new knife and a knife that's not usable, but you can sharpen a dull knife. Remember, we had that before, especially according to Rebbe Yehuda. So here, too, you can like fix it up a little bit. You're not making it new. That you're allowed to do. Okay, Tani Bar Kapara, Bar Kapara Talk. Six things were said about a wick. Three stringent rulings and three lenient rulings. Here are the stringent rulings. You can't like actually like braid a wick on Yantav. That's really like making something, taking strands and twisting it into a wick. Um... The uh, the you cannot uh, you cannot like uh, char it in the light. That's meaning, the lesson of the memory. Yeah, right. Because that's what makes something you know easy to light is that it's been pre-charred at the top. That would also be like making it a vessel. The uh, and you can't cut it into two. All these things are like making it a vessel. Okay, lahakel three things that are lenient. You can like sort of um, smush it. That's a technical term. Anyway, <laughs> in your hand, which basically also somehow makes it more like makes it flattens it. You know, makes it more able to absorb the oil. But that's not as that's a much more informal type of a thing. And if you look at Rashi, Rashi says tikun yadu. You know, you're not doing it. I, not only would I say klachayadu, which suggests like a shinoi, maybe that's part of it. It's also not like there. There's no like craftsman aspect to it. There's no precision to that process. Maybe it's also that it wasn't so unfunctional without that. Okay, again, it's interesting to know what exactly are the lines of distinction, and if you think that the whole problem here is Jarabanan, that it's not really making the vessel, I don't know, maybe twisting the strings is the making of it from scratch. But if these other things are not really in a sort of more of a rabbinic issue, you can understand that some of these at an experiential level are different and would not be considered problematic. You don't need expertise in Right. The show of the shaman, you can immerse it in oil, like you have a pre-oiled wick, right? So, you know, you want your wick to be pre-absorbed uh, oil. But again, that's not like making it. That's maybe the beginning of using it, I would also say, anyway. Um, but they do sometimes sell. Don't they sometimes sell wicks that are like pre-oiled yes, yes, or whatever? Yes. And I know that they, uh, some people sell pans. Yeah, that covered, covered, wax. covered wax, certainly. But like, people also sell pans that are like pre-seasoned, right? That have yeah. been pre-absorbed yeah. oil. Okay, um... The chotcha, the and here poskening like Rabbi Yehuda, you can f- use a fire to divide the wick. The fish day road if you're doing it by running it between two lamps. The Amar of Nathan Bar Abba, Amar of Amaras, or Nathan Bar Abba, same name for Atire Bavel, the rich of Bavel, the rich people of Bavel, Yerde Gehenemhem, are going down into Gehenem. Why? Kiha. Now, the Shabzai Bar Marinos, Shabzai is the son of Marimos, equal to Babel, he's not the rich guy, we'll see what happens. Apparently it means that there were a lot of wealthy people in Babel, and we'll see that they did not act properly. It's not just talking about a few individuals, maybe about a, a culture. Okay? So he dropped into Babel, and he wanted to see if he could make, do some business with some of the people there. You know, wanted to invest with them, wanted to maybe do some little buying and selling with them. The little Yavule, they were not interested. Here he was, a poor guy, 
you know, and they didn't want to give him a helping hand. They didn't want to help make him like a, you know, give him a job. They were not, they completely were not interested. He wasn't asking for a handout. Doesn't matter. They didn't have, they didn't feel any need to help him. Mizone. So then he finally, he was, he was sort of reduced to asking for like a handout. He wanted just for some food. He was, uh, he was starving. They wouldn't even give him food. Amar, so he said, Oh, these people, they're not real Jews. They must have come from the Erevra, from the, uh, you know, from the masses, from those, uh, what, what do they call it? What, what, the riffraff, right. The mixed multitude that were not, they're not real Jews. Why? Because the verse says, you know, so this is the part that says, get the, by, it says actually after you'll destroy the Yernidachas. It says, God will give you compassion and he'll have compassion on you. And the end of the part is, Kasher Nishpala You know, and he'll do good to you like he swore to your fathers. So it means, are you real descendants of your fathers? That will be determined if, if it's demonstrated that God has given you compassion, which means that you're able to demonstrate compassion to others. By the way, that's an important read of the Pasuk, because normally you read the Pasuk, God will give you compassion means he'll have compassion on you. Now the Gemara is reading it, and a number of the Mepharshah Mikra read it, is no. The point is, because by the way, this Pasuk appears after you've wiped out the Ioni and they read what it says, you've done this tremendous, you know, cruel act that you're commanded to do, but, you, but it was a cruel act. God will now give you back the capacity of compassion. So he will give, not he will have compassion on you, but he'll give you the capacity of compassion. So that's what, this is how the Gemara is reading it. And that's Kashen Ishpah So how do we know that you, that you are descendants of your forefathers? By demonstrating that you have compassion. Anybody that has compassion on the creatures, you know that he is of the descendants of Abraham. If you don't, are not able to have compassion, he is not of those descendants, and therefore, that's why we say the rich people of Babel are going to Gehenna because apparently they were, you know, they were Jews, but they were, there was a real culture of not giving and not caring about those that were in greater need. The only reason, by the way, we're mentioning this is that it was the same Amorah that spoke about the using of the needle for the wick. It's Rabbi Nassim Bar Abba, if you were wondering what this is doing here. Okay, now the Gemara continues. So the same Rabbi Nassim Bar Abba says the name of Rav. If you're always looking at what somebody else has you're looking at the other person's table the whole world will look dark to you right Not, you'll never be happy with anything you'll, you know everything will look bleak because you're never having enough as somebody as, you know as much as this other person has Shinemar as the verse says um, he is wandering for bread Ayo, where will he find bread you should know that if ready in your hand is Yom Choshech is a day of darkness so if you're always looking for bread, meaning presumably even if you have bread, you're looking for bread, you're never happy, you're always looking who has something better, then the whole world will look dark and bleak. His life isn't even like a real life. Again, it's not exactly clear what he added to the previous statement. It's a different like, metaphor than saying, you know, your whole life is dark, you're bleak. Anyway, you don't enjoy life, you have no sense of really living. You're always wondering about what you could have and what you don't have. 
Okay, Tanarabanan, now that we said that, that allows for a transition to one final agotic statement. Gimel, Chayim, Enim, Chayim. Three people, their lives aren't really, aren't real lives. They're not, they're not really living. The Elohim, these are they. Hametzapel, Lushulchan, Chaver, what we just said. They're always looking, like looking towards and, you know, longing for what your, you know, your friend's table, what somebody else has and that you don't have. So you're never actually enjoying what you do have and, you know, living in the moment. Umish, Ishto, Moshelet, Alav. So a person, a man, me, but a, a person, but meaning a man whose wife has dominion over him. Um, so there's the Gemara again speaking from the male perspective. Umi, where's Rivka at this time? Umi, Shiyasurian Moshlimi Gufo. And somebody that his body is racked with suffering, you know, with, uh, with affliction. Clearly that person is not, a, you know, is very hard. They're so taken up by the pain, you know, that it's very difficult for that person to actually feel like they're living um, their life. The Yeshomim and some say, it's a fascinating you always have to love the way the Gemara has these like anticlimactic ends sometimes to this thing go from very drastic well, I don't know if the Moshe whatever the case of the, of the, of the husband who, of the husband and wife was drastic but anyway two of them were to this case about somebody only has one shirt why? because that shirt will get filled with you know in, with, with, it'll get dirty and sweaty and filled with lice in particular and therefore that will be he'll wind up living a miserable existence so the Gemara says the Tanakama after the Mayan Bamane the first opinion that didn't mention this is yeah, you could de-louse your shirt even if you only have one shirt so you might not be able to take it off for a long period to wash it but maybe you could de-louse it while you're wearing it again very funny anticlimactic end to that okay now we get on to the next Mishnah we're continuing with this idea of making vessels on Yantav, even in the context of food and food-related activities. You cannot break a piece of pottery. So you're going to break a pottery to use it as like a scooper or a back scratcher, or you'll use it to, uh, to cook a uh, fish on it, like you'll put it on top of the fire and it'll help distribute the fire. Um, and you, so you can't do that. You're really like turning it into a vessel. The ain chotzkin haniyar, and you can't break a, a paper. Ritzlotbo maliach, in order to uh, roast a fish on it. So this would be like you know cutting a piece of uh, parchment paper on yontif to use it, or a piece of uh, tin foil, foil, aluminum foil. You're being papyrus in that. What? It would be papyrus. Yeah, it would not be like right wood-based paper. Right. The ain gorsin tar. So again, it's, you can't even, you can't make vessels even in the context of ochel nefesh. The ain gorsin tanur rayim, and you cannot sweep out an oven. Now, why not again? sweep out an oven, you know, big deal. You're just removing ashes. So Rashi, we had this once before, and Rashi again speaks about it, that some part of like the plaster or something sort of fell down and it's really in a somewhat ruined stage. And you're going to, what you'll be doing is you'll be actually fixing it in some way. Um, but what you can do is that you can, um, um, you can like uh, pat down the ashes to make it usable in that way. Um, okay, uh, where were we? Um, right, Rashi also says that if the ashes or whatever are too much, they'll get stuck to the food that you're cooking and it'll ruin the food. So you can pass them against the floor and against the walls and make it usable that way, but you cannot really like scrape it or plaster it and fix it in a significant way. Um, okay. What you also cannot do is take two big barrels and you're going to make an ad hoc oven. What you'll do is you'll take here. You'll take these two big barrels and you'll put them next to each other, these two big wine barrels, and you're going to make a fire between them and you'll put your pot 
suspended by the top of the barrels, okay? Because that's making it like an ad hoc oven that you cannot do. Now, that's very funny because all you did is you moved two barrels next to each other. You didn't physically change them. So we'll see what that's about in the Gemara. The Ein Somchen Esakitera Bikat, you cannot support a pot with a, uh, with like a, um, uh, yeah, exactly, with like a beam, okay, um, or like a, 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 a bolt of wood. The chain bedela, and also by a door, which, which is not clear what it means, but it sounds like it means that you can't use like a detached door to support a pot, okay, on the fire. So we'll have to see what that's about. So now we're moving from making vessels to other things. You cannot lead an animal with a stick, the Yomtov. Okay? Now, is that a problem about Muxa? Is that the stick? Is it about an Uv de Dechol? Okay, what exactly is the problem? So the last couple things related specifically to wood issues, and Rashi says we're working, this Mishnah seems to be working with the assumption that wood, by definition, can only be used for fire. It's not considered a clee, even if you wanted to use it for something else, and it can only be used for a fire. Okay, but we will talk, and that's why you can't use it to support a pot and to lead an animal, but we'll talk about that in the Gemara. Let's start now with, with Gemara. My timer says the Gemara. What's the reason that you cannot break the pottery or the papyrus to use in cooking? Mishum to kamitake in mana, again, because you are making a vessel, and even in the context of ochel nefesh, that is still forbidden. Um, the aim gorfin tanaviki rai, you cannot sweep out the oven again in some way that you're fixing it. But if you can't bake unless you actually sweep it out, because otherwise the ashes will stick, you know, to the bread or whatever, mutar, then it is permissible. Again, not exactly clear why the sweeping out was exactly a problem altogether, but also the fact that we give this type of an allowance also reflects, um, you know, to some degree that when, it, even though the Gemara says metakein mana, um, it might not be talking about a biblical issue of tikkun kli. Um, these two things do seem like smaller, don't seem like necessarily what a real making of a vessel would be. Again, some we shown him say it is biblical, but some say it is only this rabbinic. Is okay. Right. Well, again, they only say that by the griefer. They don't say that by other things. Right. And I, we should admit that the sweeping out of the oven of all these things is the thing that seems the least like you're making something. You're just sweeping the ashes out. So Rashi tries to explain why it's a problem by making it a little bit worse, by saying like some of the plaster it's fell down, down, it's a little broken, but the fact that the Gemara, this is the one thing the Gemara says if you don't have a choice it's allowed, seems to indicate that whatever it was, it wasn't so bad, but I w- it wouldn't necessarily assume that you could apply that to the other categories, yes. Uh, something is missing from this discussion, something we had earlier in the sector, which is the issue that you could have done most of these things before Yom Tov. So, um, so, Echel HaSosamibod Yom is not a concern really by um, things that are directly Ochel Nefesh. It is a concern about Machshire Ochel Nefesh. And you are right that these are Machshire Ochel Nefesh, even according to Reb Yehuda. But not necessarily a lot. Of, well, some of them maybe. But some of them, like the oven or whatnot, might have, might have become problematic on Yom itself. But you do raise a good point that maybe, according to Reb Yehuda, some of these things have the additional problem of Machshire, you know, even if Machshire Ochel Nefesh, okay, the additional problem of Efshelassos Mibod Yom. Okay, that is possible. But the Gemara does not seem, you're right, the Gemara seems to feel it's problematic even regardless of that. Uh, let's read a little bit more. So this is where Rashi is getting this idea. Rabbi Chia's wife, a brick fell down into the oven. Maybe a brick from the oven fell into it. And that sort of like ruined it. It wasn't just natural ashes and dirty. Okay, that sort of would be like the scenario Rashi is talking about not sweeping out the oven. 
Biyomotova. There you go, Charlie. Addressing your issue. It didn't happen before. It happened on Yosef. Amr lo Rebbe Chia. Rebbe Chia said to her, and this is like we had this line before, Chazi dana rifta mal yisabayina. He saw that she was about to be machmir, and he said, uh, you know, pay attention. I want to eat some nice, good bread on Yosef. So basically, he said, that he said, this is EFR. There's no way to do it without sweeping it out. So this would be a case where you're allowed to sweep it out. Now, so therefore, this idea of EFR is, again, it gives you an allowance, but only in the Gemara, in this case of sweeping out the oven. Okay. Um, now the Gemara says like this. Uh, 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 okay. Rabbi said to his attendant, Tavi Li Bar Avza, who wrote for me a, uh, a, 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 a goose, I think a, bar, or a duck, yeah. I can't get the name confused, a goose, wrote for me a goose, and be careful that it doesn't touch the charcoal, which will ruin it. Again, that's why you want to sweep things out or pass them down. It touches the charcoal, it blackens it, it ruins it. Okay? So, not exactly clear. Is that telling us a halacha? Is he telling us that therefore he's allowed to sweep it out? Or is he, what, what, but it clearly, it, it, it's talking to us about, um, about, the, you know, about what the issues are. Okay? So, so, let's say, so let's take a look. One minute, I'm just a Rashi. Right. Okay, one more line. Amalei Ravina Ravashi, Amalei Rav, so Ravina said to Ravashi, Amalei Ravacham Yehutza, Ravacham from Yehutza said to us, Demar, that the master, Sharkinle, meaning you, he said Ravashi, we heard that you, Sharkinle Tanura Biyomotova, that you uh, seal up your oven with Anyomtov, meaning what they would do is they'd put something in an oven, and then they would completely seal the door with like a plaster, to, you know, in order to create this, whatever, the appropriate type of a, of a hot heat, heat context. So, how can you, how can you smear this type of a plaster around the uh, door of the oven isn't that basically like like you know like make like wash when you make the plaster like kneading and so on how is that allowed is that really true that you do that so he says to him so he says uh, where are we um, I'm a he said back to him no I rely on the banks of the Euphrates which means is I get my mud, I get mud from the Euphrates. I don't make plaster. I just get pre-made mud from the Euphrates, so it's not a problem. The honey mealy who did but how is the mud not muktza? So it's only if you designated the mud before Yantav. You made like a little indentation, I'm going to take from this mud, and you made a little like, you know, mark on it, you know, and then it's not muksa, and then it's not a problem of plastering or whatever, because it's already pre-made mud. And Amaravina, the Kitmashark, use ashes would be okay. Rashi says ashes with water. Tosa says, no, that's also Lisha. And Tosa says, that's just to take ashes and stuff the ashes in the crevices to seal up the oven door. That also would be a way of doing it.